Lord, grace that is greater than all my sin is something my heart could not even dream of. May we, may we rest in that. May we plead on you for that. May we treasure that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our text today is in Matthew chapter 6. And it's one of two applications that Jesus gives regarding what we've been going over the last few weeks, namely the three examples of secret righteousness. Uh, just to review, he gives giving, and he gives prayer, and he gives by God's good grace a button that works. derailed. Anyway, <laughs> um, but he gives, he gives uh, giving, he gives prayer, and then he gives fasting as three examples of secret righteousness, comparing that righteousness with the hypocrites, which we defined, again, as the Pharisees, the Sadducees, um, and the scribes. So with with that, again, he comes to these two applications, and, uh, and, and we're going to hit application number one today. So uh, just to, before we really go into it, though, I want to I point out that we are, by nature, things-focused, aren't we, instead of God-focused. The Westminster Catechism which if, if you're not familiar with the Westminster Catechism, it was made by the Westminster Divines, but it was written as a question and answer format to teach basic Christianity uh, to, to new believers, to children, um, but it was written in the 1600s, so the, the language is a little bit dated. But the very first question says this, what is the chief end of man? Chief end, by the way, means true purpose. So what is the true purpose of man? In one sentence, it answers, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Today we read Isaiah 12 when we opened, where Isaiah, pointing to the day of the Lord's salvation that we're now in with Christ, declares, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. What do we do with that? We glorify God and enjoy him forever. Why? Because he is our eternal salvation. So even though we are, by nature at this point, things-oriented, God created us to be God-oriented. That was our initial stance, because he is our treasure, yet we find ourselves in today's day and age so heavily distracted by things in this world. So, again, before we dive deep into Matthew chapter 6, let's, let's go ahead and think about what's clear and undisputed in this text. These, by the way, are not the sermon points, so don't, don't try and write these down. But Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, we've got verses in 19 and 20, you've got, do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth, but in heaven. Point, that's, that's, that's number one, just undisputed truth in the text. Number two, if the light in you, 
which by the way should be defined as, uh, as things that you think are righteousness, is actually darkness, then, then you're heavily deceived. That's, verse, that's the second half of verse 23. And then the last part of verse 24, you cannot serve God and money. Undisputed. We can't argue these things. Some translations, by the way, in verse 24 will say you cannot serve God and mammon or mammon. Um, mammon is a medieval devil of greed. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not a real thing. It's not in the text. But the, the point stands that even in, a, in the King James Version, what they mean by that is you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve money. So now that we've laid, laid a little groundwork, let's read. So starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. So, our sermon summary today, which is featured in your bulletin, is a Christian's treasure is not found on earth, but in God who is in heaven. So we'll work our way towards that. We're going to hit some of the, some of the finer points of these verses uh, today. So point number one, if you want to fill it in, is where you lay treasure shows where your heart is. Now, some people have taken, well, actually, you know what? Let's, let's just say this. Where you put your treasure shows where your heart already is. It's not a matter of, okay, now put some on earth and some in heaven. It's the, the point that Jesus is making in verse 21 is where your treasure is already, where it is. Where your treasure is. Not where it will be, not where you intend to put it, but where it is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The hypocrites throughout chapter 6 uh, have all worked to get wealthy, to gain treasure on earth. We've seen this, this repeated phrase, do not be like the hypocrites. We've seen this re repeated phrase, uh, and they have received their reward. Past tense, already happened, meaning it's not from God. The hypocrites through their giving, through their prayer, and through their fasting, are, are using a fake righteousness, or as we discussed on Thursday, a public righteousness. And so Jesus then is commanding his followers to have a secret or private righteousness, meaning that the things you do are not to be shouted and megaphoned from the streets. It's not supposed to be done standing in the street corner. You're not supposed to go ahead and put things in the offering box when you leave going, ah, 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 letting it jingle a little bit. 
it's not supposed to be a public righteousness. It's supposed to be a secret, a private righteousness, which again does not mean hiding it from your spouse. So don't just sneak money into offering plates. But, but the, the hypocrites work to gain the, the wealth, the prestige, the power here on earth. Why? Because they had no concern for what God in heaven thought of them. And that's what Jesus is pointing out. He's saying they have laid up treasure here where moth and rust corrode, they destroy it. They haven't put it in heaven. They haven't put it where it's safe. And we can act that way too, can't we? I doubt any of you, actually, you know what, I bet every one of you is going to put money in the offering box on your way out and go, <coughs> from here on out, but, <laughs> but, but primarily just to chastise me. But we can act that way, too, where we, we think we need others to see our righteousness, don't we? Isn't that some, a way that we can act? It's possible. And we probably don't do it all the time, but there's going to be that one thing where we're like, can't you be thankful that I helped you? that I did that thing for you. But friends, if your good works, your knowledge, your abilities are on display for others to see and, and, and be jealous of you, instead of being done for the building up of, of others, for the glorifying of God, then they're, they're vain. They're worthless idols. Whatever reward you've received is what you've, you will receive for it. And I, I speak from personal experience on that, and I, especially the use of the word knowledge. Um, I could tell you stories of how many times I sat in elders meetings because uh, I was part of a church plant, and they, they thought, oh, this guy, this guy reads the Bible. Sad that that's a qualifier to be in an elders meeting. But this guy reads the Bible, and therefore we should bring him in on the elders meetings. And, and there were so many times where I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, hey, yeah, you read that verse to put out your point, but did you read two verses later? Did, did you figure out what, what, what that verse actually even means? And I would, I would get, like, frustrated with my with, with my 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 pastor I would get frustrated by our worship leader uh, because I, I I would just I would just be like guys please God meant something when he inspired this and one of the worst things I ever got was well don't 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 argue with the Holy Spirit right that's that that their interpretation is 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 what the Holy Spirit is saying not that what the text says is what the Holy Spirit intended but instead what what they're saying about it. And they, they don't like to see, receive rebuke. They don't like to be changed. They don't like to even be challenged. And I, I would get so mad, and I would just be like, you know what? Look at me and all my knowledge. And that was something that the Lord really, really crushed me for before I realized that, that what I was doing was just public righteousness. And whatever recognition I received, which was essentially none, is what I would receive for it. So if your good works, your knowledge, your abilities, again, are on display for others to see, then you've received your reward. It's like you're like the hypocrites. Your heart's not in the right place. Uh, an example of that, and I feel kind of bad using this particular example, but there was once a man who had a, who had a warehouse full of classic, beautiful cars. 
uh, over 500, 587 is the number that I saw. Uh, he took pride in being able to drive a different vehicle to work or to the store uh, whenever he felt the need, and, and all his cars, again, were in beautiful condition. And, and especially the hot rods, oh, I love me some hot rods. But some of those hot rods, they sounded wonderful. Uh, whenever his cars got damaged, whenever there was a dent or a ding, he had a fleet of mechanics and body workers that would come in, they would fix it for him, um, and they would remove that scratch dent, they would remove anything. So this man, whose name is Jay Leno, even had his own TV spot for several months, showing off his classic car collection, and having you listen, by the way, to every individual motor. There were not 587 episodes but there were some pretty sounding motors. I coveted. Uh, but this, this garage, this warehouse, is, is in this case Leno's storehouse. It's where his treasure chest of pride resides. So where's your storehouse? Where, where in your life are you putting the things that you take such pride in that you love to show it off to others? That's what it means to have a treasure. Think of, think, think of you going over to somebody's house and they want to show you their, 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 their collection of, um, I don't know, Russian dolls. You know, those things that you take one out and there's a smaller one in. Let's say they've got a collection of three million Russian dolls and they just want you to look and gaze and be in awe of these things. It's just a random example. Or what if they have a, a Beanie Baby collection? If you all remember Beanie Babies? You old enough to remember those? Uh, every kid collected these things, and they all had names, and my kids have some. My wife and I have two crates. Actually, I have trash bags full of them uh, because uh, my, my, my dad just threw them in trash bags. I think there's some that are in crates. But I mean, you were, we had little tag protectors that you would put over the tag to keep it safe. Imagine if you walked into the parsonage and all of a sudden you saw a display case of perfect beanie babies. That would be weird. <laughs> but that would also be where my treasure chest is, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be my treasure chest? I would have pride over that. So wherever, where, wherever you put your hope of accumulating more is probably a good way of saying it, is where your heart is. Whatever, what, whatever, whatever thing, you, whatever treasure chest in your life you want to fill up, that is where your hope is. That is where your heart is. For some people, it's a bigger bank account. For some people, it's, 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 it's more, uh, more, more collections. For some, it's prestige. Whatever it is, that is where your treasure is. So I want you to question yourselves. Is my, is my treasure chest here on earth or is it in heaven? With Christ, there is no bank account, by the way, of good works. You don't build up a record. In fact, you're going to go before Christ. He's going to show us, when we die, we're all going to go before Christ. He's going to show us all the good things we've done, all the bad things we've done. And honestly, the bad is going to way outnumber the good. And, and for us who are Christian, we get those bad covered by the blood of a gracious Savior. Our righteousness is pitiable in comparison to his. So somebody that, that, that has their, their treasure chest 
with Christ, it's, the treasure is Christ. They don't have to publicly show off their righteousness. Instead, they do it secretly. That's, that's why Jesus tells us, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. He's saying, don't. Don't be righteous for the sake of others seeing it. Instead, be righteous for the sake of God seeing it so that he sees in secret and he rewards you in secret. So, do your treasures lie where moth and rust destroy? Are they in a place where thieves could break in and steal? Where you need to protect these treasures? Or is Jesus enough? We need no more treasure than him. In, in him is an eternity of treasure. Every, every crown I get, when I go up and I'm with Jesus, I'm literally going to throw it down in front of him. And I'm going to say, no, 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 no. I don't want any of these. I want you. That is, that is what our eternal joy is. That we glorify God and enjoy him forever. Why? Because he's forever enjoyable. A movie is enjoyable, what, one, two times? That's maybe, I mean, nowadays, that's like six hours of your life. If you really love Lord of the Rings, the extended edition is like 12 and a half hours of viewing. That's, that's just like the three, the first three. So, I mean, that's 24 hours of delight if you're going to enjoy it twice, if you have that much patience. But Christ is going to be enjoyable forever and ever and ever, and you're never going to grow tired of him. Is that enough? Where your hopes to accumulate more are is where your heart is. So Jesus is essentially saying this in, the, in these two verses. Don't accumulate treasure on earth. Don't let your hearts be attached to things instead of me. Rust and moths will corrode things here on earth. Thieves break in and steal. But instead, lay up treasure in me where it's safe. Work for true righteousness, not fake righteousness, which pushes us to point two. Uh, verses 22 and 23 are kind of hard to understand. It's, it's an object lesson. Jesus is giving us an object lesson. He's trying to, trying to help us understand something. So the point two, if you're filling in them on your bulletin, is an eye that lets in light is an eye that can see outward. So this example, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if, your eye, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? A blind person cannot see outside themselves. Can we agree on that? A blind person sees darkness. Many of us have probably, uh, I mean, many of us, if not all of us, have felt the effects of fading vision. Uh, for me, I have almost perfect vision. Hold on. This one, this eye. I have almost perfect vision in my left eye. In my right eye, it's garbage. I mean, I, <laughs> if I'm walking around like this, uh, not only do I not have death perception, but I'm probably going to be like, I can't even focus on this microphone. That's how bad my vision is. So... I need corrective lenses in order to help me see the world correctly. But I can let in light. Light comes in my body. Light allows me to see what's in front of me because my eyes, my eyes are functional. 
but a blind person can't do that at all. You ever do that experiment where you put on a blindfold and try to walk around for a few minutes? That was something that we did in a psychology class, right? You had to rely on uh, your, your friends, your, your classmate to lead you around. First of all, you had to trust them that they weren't gonna shove you down a flight of stairs. Second of all, uh, you had to trust that they weren't gonna walk you into poles. That, is, that did happen to me. My, I had my friend do it and it was a bad choice. I should not have chosen him. But, uh, but had to walk me around with a blindfold I couldn't see. And really, when you have that blindfold tight enough, you don't see outside of yourself. So a healthy eye, as Jesus would define it, is one that can see outside of itself. It lets light in. It's, it's visible. It sees outward. It can see pains. It can see struggles. It can see trials that others face, not just itself. A healthy eye uh, has a view of where they're to use their good works. But, but, a, but a not healthy eye doesn't care. A spiritually blind person has no concern for the damage of their own self-righteousness. They have no concern for anything other than their own prestige and wealth and treasure. And by the way, it relies on others to provide it to them. That's what the hypocrites have been doing, right? 6.1, Matthew 6.1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. A person who's got an unhealthy eye doesn't actually care about how dirty it is inside because it thinks that the more it accumulates, the more treasure it gets, the more powerful it is, the more healthy it is, when really it's just getting more and more unhealthy. But a spiritually healthy person, a seeing person, has a body full of light. It lets in light. It can, it can, it can feel the light. It not just feel the warmth of the sun, but it can actually see the sun. Don't look at the sun. But it can actually see the sun. It can see everything around it. It can see the, the things that it needs to run to help on. Can you imagine a blind medic on a battlefield? Do you think that medic is going to be very effective? That medic will probably step on a landmine. That medic will probably walk right up to an enemy soldier. That medic will suffer more injuries because it's not able to run for cover. Why? Because it cannot see cover. So a, a, an eye that can see wants to help others. It wants to be outward. It, it wants to do things around. Why? Because it feels the suffering. If, you, if we walked outside and there was somebody that got hit by a car, would we just turn around and say, eh, no, most of us, if not all of us, would have the inclination to run and help. I would not be fastest, I can guarantee that. But, but we would want to help the person. Why? Because they're injured. A spiritually healthy uh, eye, a seeing person also, by the way, having a, bo having, uh, a body full of light, exudes contentment. It doesn't need more treasure. Instead, it recognizes that the treasure is already in Christ. It doesn't need to accumulate. 
So Philippians 4, if you wouldn't mind turning to Philippians 4, is a, is, is a section that's a little pulled out of context, uh, probably, probably a little bit too much. Um, I usually joke that one of the verses I'm going to read is on gym shorts so that people know that they can do good in the gym. Um, and it's actually on gym shoes, not shorts, but might as well just be plastered on somebody's side. But, but uh, Philippians 4, verses 10 to 13, Paul writes this, I, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. What he's saying is, hey, you, knew, you, you didn't know where I was. You didn't know what I was going through, but you had concern for me. Then you found out where I was, and your concern was revived, and you did something about it. Start, continuing in verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 4.13 is not about being able to do good in the gym. It's not about praying it before you go do something physically exhausting. Instead, it's about that secret, that secret of contentment. It's contentment. Paul, by the way, is writing this letter, Philippians 4, from prison. I'm not speaking of being in need, he writes. Are you kidding? You're in a hole. <laughs> You're in a hole that doesn't have any ventilation, no toilet, and you're not speaking of being in need? Oh, I, I've learned in every, every situation I am to be content. What? What? You kidding? Even if he's in house arrest, he can't go outside. He can't go do things. Instead, he has Roman guards standing by him all the time, and yet he's content. He's not in need. So a spiritually healthy person is somebody that exudes contentment. Also, going back to Matthew chapter 5, that, you know, we did, what, six months ago, uh, doing, going back to Matthew chapter 5, a body that's full of light wants to share that light. And that's why we think of, think of it as outward. Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Cannot, cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So a spiritually healthy eye wants to share the light that it's already being let in. What if it doesn't? Jesus has an answer to that question. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then that righteousness, that light you think is righteousness, in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That person is deceived. They think they're righteous. But really, really, they are full of darkness. So is your righteousness inwardly focused? And I use righteousness with finger quotes there, right? Is your righteousness inwardly focused? Is it darkness that masquerades as light? Is it, 
Is it darkness refusing reformation like the Roman Catholic Church? Oh, how great the darkness which thinks itself light. Oh, how great is the darkness that, uh, that thinks itself righteous and only looks to itself and not to Christ. It serves the wrong master, doesn't it? Doesn't it serve something wrong? If all, if, if all it's concerned about is itself, it's got to be serving the wrong master. And that's the third point. That's where Jesus goes with it. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So who's your master? Where's your treasure? That's a good test. If your treasure is in your possessions, if your treasure is in, in, my, in, like in my heart, the thing I struggle with is, uh, is, 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 is my treasure an easy life? The Lord has been gracious to provide me with three children that have an unending supply of energy where my supply of energy is, is like the, the needles past the E. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel most days. And my kids get into trouble. Yes, they do. They do get into trouble. My kids get into trouble. And you know what? I get mad at them. Why do I get mad at them? Because I am selfish. Because my treasure, honestly, most days, is in me having a not hard day. What's my master? In those moments, what is Scott's master? Convenience? Easiness? But it's not God. Unless I'm disciplining my children in love, unless I'm watching out for them, caretaking for them, making sure that they are safe and loved. And, and let's, let's say I go to give my child a hug and uh, not being a stinker, they run away from me in fear. Why? Because my hands represent pain. Who's my master at that point? At that point, I have some repentance to do. So would you rather have an easy life, large bank account, or would you rather feel the warmth of God's smile on you? Would you rather build a legacy of your hard work and good reputation that gets wiped away with age, that rusts and disappears, or would you rather build treasure in Christ and serve the Lord in his kingdom? building into the lives of the saints and the lost around you. Wealth does not always mean sin. It really honestly doesn't. Um, in the Old Testament, wealth was sometimes recognized as, a, as, a, as an act of God's favor, but uh, it was also lamented when it was by unjust gain. Um, so some people would get money, but they would not serve money. The person that did things wickedly and therefore got paid for them, uh, that, that was somebody who served money. And Jeremiah lamented them, the people like that. The psalmists uh, lament people like that. But wealth gained through righteousness is a gift. Wealth gained through unrighteousness is an abomination. That's why Jesus is calling out the Pharisees. They're gaining unrighteous wealth. They are not serving God. 
And yet they are the religious leaders. They are the wonderful people that everybody else is supposed to follow, but they're hypocrites. They've received their reward, and it wasn't from God. Their praise that they got, the prestige that they got, the power that they got, the pocketed funds, they angered the Lord so much that Jesus spends a whole sermon calling them out. They serve their master money. They had their treasures on earth, and they were wayward guides leading Israel into spiritual destruction. But the Apostle Paul has an answer to that situation. In 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10, Paul says this, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. See that? See, you hear that? Those who desire to be rich plunge people into destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. I'm sure you've heard money is the root of all evil. That's not what the verse says. It's the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. A love for worldly wealth, prestige, and money is a root of all kinds of evil. Where do you lay up your treasure? Who's your master? Good questions. Good questions. These two coincide. They answer the question in two different ways. If your master is God, then your treasure on earth will be of minor importance. You'll work and you'll gain funds righteously, to further his kingdom, not to exalt yourself with many treasures. You will buy things if your master is God and if your treasure is in heaven. You will buy things not to satisfy a longing in yourself, but you'll buy things that will help you glorify your Savior. What does it mean to glorify God? It means to show him as beautiful. Is that what your purchases do? Do they show him as beautiful? Or do they show the size of the bank account? Or do they show the, the, the intelligence that you have in purchasing the right object? Show your good research in getting that one car that actually lasted 15 years before it needed an oil change. I'm just kidding. I know that's not true. <laughs> Although my first car would have benefited from me knowing that sooner. But, <laughs> but regardless, where is your treasure? Who is your master? That's what Jesus wants to challenge us with. He's not calling you hypocrites, but he's calling out the hypocrites. The hypocrites among us, the hypocrites in his time. We need to question these things. Let's pray and sing our last song. Father, I thank you that you sent your son to convict us, to make us question our own actions, our own eyes health, our own, uh, our own ability or inability, whatever it may be. I pray that we would learn where our treasure is. I pray that we would learn who our master is so that we might repent or that we may be encouraged of our love for you that leads us to responding with always seeking 
to show you as beautiful, which you are, Lord. What is our true purpose? It's to show your beauty and to enjoy you forever and ever, our treasure and our savior. Amen. The question I want you to walk away with today is ultimately, is Jesus enough? Where is it that you're storing your treasures? Who are you serving? Of course, I want you to walk away with those. Is my eye healthy? Am I letting in light? Am I seeing outside myself? Those are good things. But ultimately, I want you to question, is Jesus enough? Is he your treasure? Because all your reputation, your land, your influence, what if they all disappeared tomorrow? What if they disappeared today on your way home? Would Jesus be enough? Is he enough? We don't know what the Lord has in store for us, what sufferings he intends us to go through that only he can make wonderful in eternity or even here on earth. We don't know. We don't know. But is he enough to withstand it? Go in peace, saints.